0: Get comfortable with ambiguity and with not having all the information. Develop the skills and confidence to lead in a different way.
1: Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone, and I'm Wanda Wallace. You know those meetings that you get prepared to go into and you know you have a core message, but you just aren't really sure how to convey that message, particularly in a way that persuades people. Or imagine that you've just taken over a new role and your team is now the experts and you aren't. So how do you persuade them to follow you? How do you get them to take action, particularly when it involves change? And how do they engage with you and the rest of the team? So now it's really easy to say motivate people and engage people, but we all know it's a lot harder to do than to just say those words. And one of the key things is to to think very carefully about the words you use, the way you communicate, and how you can, can be more persuasive. So we have the answer for you today on how you do all of that, and it's called the 313 Communication Method. So with me today is Ryan Follin. Ryan coaches leaders worldwide on the art of simplifying spoken and written messaging for greater impact. He's the inventor of the 313 Method. He's also recognized by Inc. Magazine as a top and named by Entrepreneur Magazine as a top personal branding expert. Ryan's company is Influence Tree, um, and he is also a radio show host with lots of things to say. You can check out more on his website at com. Ryan, welcome to the show.
2: Ahoy. It is great to be here.
1: I'm delighted. I'm delighted to hear about this 313 method because it sounds, or at least you make it sound, like it's the absolute, total, ultimate thing for communication. So what is this 313 method?
2: At its core, it helps people come up with a methodology to say more by saying less. And the 313 stands for the end result of the process, which, which results in your ability to communicate whether it's your business idea or whether it's your brand, in three sentences and then one sentence, and ultimately, if you were a Jedi Master, in three words.
1: Three words?
2: Yes. And All it's right. actually, it's
1: I have actually, a hard time imagining getting.
2: it. A- <laughs> the, the, the funny thing is it's not actually three words. It's actually two words with a connecting term. So it even gets crazier than that, but uh, I don't want to mismanage expectations. And the three words could be more. Uh, if you want to, based on what you're relating. But the idea is to uh, ultimately learn the skill of talking about your idea in terms of other things. Because when you tap into the mental mind maps of other people, then you can leverage what they already know and use that as a foundation, uh, which allows for a lot less initial conversation.
1: All right, I like this idea of saying more by saying less, because one of the things I know is when people start talking, they often go on and on and on and on, and, and they've lost the audience before they ever really get to the core point. It's easy to recognize it. It's a whole lot harder to do something about it. So in your view, why does this 313 work so well?
2: Because it gives structure, and it, and it challenges you to um, put what you want to say into a very small little box. And there's a few fun examples out there in the world where, um, I forget who actually wrote it, but somebody wrote a long letter saying, I wish I had more time to write you something shorter. Uh, There's a a reason why limiting characters when it comes to putting, say, tweets together um, really makes you stop and think. Because when when you're given borders or boundaries, you actually have to use each word, each letter, each syllable, in a more effective and efficient way. And so when you um, are dealing with sort of reducing, it makes me think for a second, think of your closet, okay? Just visualize your closet right now. And there are a number of clothes that are uh, you don't wear all the time. Uh, they just kind of sit there. Maybe they have sentimental value. But imagine if you were to choose an outfit, right? You all of a sudden only have the ability to wear, you know, Uh, One pair of pants, (laughs) one pair of shoes, uh, one shirt. Maybe you can double up with a jacket. Maybe you can leverage a scarf. But if you look at, say, your closet as an analogy of the words that you have the ability to choose or the different ways that you would sort of present or dress up your idea, (laughs) if you've ever um, had a friend or a partner or a girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife get motivated because they saw something or read a book on essentialism, they're like, let's clean out our closets. It's a very difficult task. You sit there and you hold a piece of clothing and you're like, oh, but I might wear it, but I might not. I'm just going to keep it here just in case. And so if you think of the arsenal that you have and the words and the stories that you use to describe what you do, it's like a closet. And there are certain things that you tend to wear more often. There's probably certain phrases that you use when you describe yourself or um, go-to pieces of messaging. But if somebody challenges it and says, you need to clear out you know, 80% of what you're saying and just show me your best outfits, then you, <laughs> it actually takes time. And uh, there's value in it because if you have, say, that first impression and you're meeting somebody and you want to represent, communicate through what you're wearing, same analogy of what you're saying, you want to put your best foot forward. You want to put on your best clothes, something that represents you. And when you take the time and somebody forces you to, to really narrow it down, that's when the real decision-making starts. And the more decisions you make about what you say before you say it, the better off you are for the person who's receiving it because you're delivering the highest impact information. And I don't think people put a lot of time into what they're going to say, and that ends up them spending more time saying what they're trying to say.
1: Okay. All right. So I get this idea. So the 313 method, just to repeat, is I start with three sentences, I narrow it down to one sentence, and I narrow it down to three words, actually two words with a connector. Yeah. And Almost. what this so, does I'm, is really force me no, to say on, what's essential. Let me
2: essential. make, what, let me make real- one little clarification. Sorry to jump on you. So you have three sentences that you trans—that that you essentially narrow down to one sentence, and then you transform mm-hmm. the whole thing to the three words. And, and I'll explain okay. um, how that works. And I think it might be useful okay. to go through... Sort of an accelerated three one three process, and we can either use you as an example, we can okay. use a friend's business as an example, we can use uh, somebody you know as an example. Do you have any preference, or you want me to just sort of run through it as a mechanical the steps? What do you? What would you prefer?
1: Uh, give me, I don't know, give me anybody, anyone you've worked with, an example of where they started and how you took them through the process.
2: Okay, so. The process, and let's start here, the process is that you have to understand the importance of communicating the problem that you solve. Then you have to know Mm -hmm. how to explain how you solve that problem as far as your solution. And then ultimately, the the other third component is who has the problem that you're solving or your market. So the three sentences is going to be the problem that you solve in one sentence, the solution that problem in one sentence, and your market in one sentence. So those are the three sentences. Let's take, for example, somebody that I know who's in Los Angeles, and they are a filmmaker, an independent filmmaker, and they um, are trying to help other independent filmmakers. So when I ask this person what the problem is, um, they might just say, well, the problem is that um, it's hard for independent filmmakers to make money. And it's hard for them to raise money because nobody knows who they are yet. So that's where we start. Right. And most people, when you ask them the problem okay. that they solve, they will tell you what they do instead of telling them the problem. And this happens all the time. So if I ask mm-hmm. them, so what is the problem you solve? He would say, well, what I do is, and you have to stop it there. Because let's take a step back. I don't care what this person does. I don't care what you do, Wanda, no offense. I don't care what any of the listeners do, no offense, listeners. I only care about the problems that people solve. And I actually care about those problems if it's a problem that I have or someone that I know has. Because all of our purchasing decisions, most all of them, have to do with solving some sort of pain. Right? There's not many purchases or businesses where it's solely pleasure. Um, You can actually do a lot of reverse engineering if you think it's just for pleasure. There's some sort of pain point or social status or belonging that people are still trying to solve. So the challenge is, can you state the problem you solve in one sentence? And you have to make it seem like a problem. So here's a quick question for you. Have you ever had a paper cut? Okay. What happens after you get a paper cut?
1: Um. Other than bleeding and, and screaming and shouting a little bit, um, you put a Band-Aid on it.
2: That's it, right? Okay, cool. So, yeah, it may, might bleed a little bit. Maybe you catch it quick and you, you, know, you maybe suck on it for a second. You, you might wince, but you try to let everybody know I'm okay. Nothing, nothing to see here, right? Well, what if that same situation but the piece of paper was actually yeah. very sharp and actually cut your finger off? Like now your finger is severed. It's on the floor. There's blood squirting around. What happens then what, what do you think would happen?
1: Uh, uh, you would call, yeah, yeah, you would start crying like a baby, absolutely. Yeah.
2: <laughs> somebody, maybe but somebody you would, would hopefully call finger.
1: emergency services somewhere, yeah. yeah.
2: Call 911, somebody's going to comfort you, somebody's going to grab the finger, somebody's going to put it on ice, somebody's going to figure out how to get you in a car, you're going to have to go to maybe an ambulance pickup. fix it. But, but what is the difference between a paper cut and your finger being cut off after the fact?
1: Um, the measures you go about solving the problem, I
2: guess? The actions associated with it, right? If you, cut you, if you get a paper cut, you're like, eh, I need a Band-Aid. Thanks, no right. big deal, that's it. If your finger gets cut off, everyone around you stops what they're doing and tries to figure out how they can help you. So this idea hey. of it's important to understand the problem you solve, it's even more important to describe the problem in a way that elicits this sense or this reaction that something needs to be done. So I'll meet some people and I'll say, what's the problem yeah. you're solving? Like, uh, you know, solving world hunger. The way that they've described it is in a way that's like a paper cut or maybe even a pinch. And so when you're describing the problem, you have okay. to tap into uh, the problem. So for this example um, of the independent film guy, it's that it's not that it's difficult for independent filmmakers to raise money. The problem is that as an independent filmmaker, if you cannot raise funds, you cannot finish films, you will go out of business and you'll end up being stuck in a miserable job for the rest of your life wishing that you could have at one point been that, you know, the the movie producer that you always wished, but your life is like ruined. So there's a difference okay. in severity. So in describing the problem that you solve, you've got to make it bloody. And here's from a practical standpoint, from somebody who's, how how can I use this? This first concept. When somebody asks me what I do, I oftentimes will look at them and say, well, it's not really what I do that's Mm -hmm. important. Then they're going to say, well, what do you mean? And I'm going to say, well, I solve one of the biggest problems that early stage entrepreneurs have. And they go, well, what is it? And so in that conversation, I've gotten the person I'm talking to interested in what I'm saying without even explaining what I do because I'm focused on a problem. So there's a lot okay. of attractive magic there. So back to this example, the first sentence is, the problem I solve is that filmmakers, their lives are ruined if they don't have a sustainable amount of funding for their independent films. Right? You've created that blood. Okay. Now you have to describe okay. your solution. Okay. And here's where people really go wrong. If I okay. ask someone what they do, there's a high probability that they will explain and go, as you said, on and on and on and on and on, right? If you tell someone how you do what you do, you're not answering the question of what you do. If I ask you what you do, you can tell me what you do in one sentence. You cannot tell me how you do what you do in one sentence, and that's where people go wrong. If I tell you what I do and Mm -hmm. you're interested at all, what do you think the next question is that you're going to ask? So how do you do that? Exactly. I'm so glad that you asked, right? So look what just happened there. There was kind of an awkward silence, and that's going to happen, but it gives people a chance to process the information. And if they're interested in talking to you and you tell them what you do, then they're going to say, well, how do you do it? And then to really get further connected with your audience – when someone asks you how you do something, put it back on them and say, well, before I explained you how it works, um, what do you know about independent filmmaking? And they might have a relative, they might have a friend, they might have done it in okay. college, and you let the other person explain to you what they already know about it, and then you say, oh, you totally, like I, yes, you've got it, but here's where I do things a little differently. Because it's a form of disrespect to right. tell people something that they already know. And in this process... Yep. You're engaging people to find out what they know, and then that gives you an idea of how to further explain the idea in terms of what they know. So your first sentence is describing the problem that you solve in a way that creates right. this, uh, this, 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 this need for a reaction to help. The second sentence is saying what you do, not how you do what you do. It's, I have an iceberg theory where think of what you do as the tip of the iceberg, And how you do it, all those dynamics, the on and on and on and on that you typically tell people, that's underneath the water. Wait to get permission from them and then go towards that. And that's really where the conversation happens. Because a lot of times when somebody says, what do you do? They're really just waiting for you to finish so they can tell you what they want to tell you. Um, I think we're sort of selfish in the conversation. We're we're waiting for people to finish. So the problem that you solve in one sentence and then your solution in one sentence of what you Mm -hmm. do and the final of the three sentences okay. is the market, because so many people believe that okay. they are the solution for everyone or anyone. And I call that the A word and the E word. Do not use the A word. Do not use the E word. Okay. If you are a life coach, you are not helping everyone. <laughs> if you are an independent filmmaker who helps to raise money for other filmmakers. You are not for everyone because there are some independent filmmakers who are very successful and have no problems with raising money. It comes to um, creating a target market instead of describing a market potential. And as soon as you start to take something away, people are then more interested. Whether it's a bar situation and you're uh, trying to find somebody who's attractive and you go up if you just go up and you don't stop talking to them and then you just tell them that, hey, you're going to cancel your plans and hang out with them for the rest of the night, they're going to freak out and they're going to leave. But if mm-hmm. you stop by and you're like, hey, I notice you've got something going on over here. Well, I, my, my friends are busy. I can't really talk now. But, hey, maybe I'll see you around. And then you leave. That's what makes the person want to connect with you. And so when describing your idea, specifically the market that would value, have value from that idea, it's about saying, even if you say, but this is not for everyone. And as soon as you say that, people will start to be like, well, wait, Kay. why not? So here's your three sentences. Is the problem that you solve in one sentence? What your solution is in one right. sentence? And who you help or what is your solution for what, what people do you affect? And those three that. sentences, that is all the core information that you need in order to convey what will be the start of a conversation if people are interested in moving forward? And okay. you save your breath. You create more connection. Okay. you Create intrigue, and there you go. Now, to take those three sentences and trans, uh, you know, deduce them into one sentence, it's all mathematics. If you can describe the single, okay. the one individual problem that you solve, and you can you can tell people your solution, the the top level, not how, but what you do. And the market, you can combine them into one sentence six different ways. It's not just one sentence. It's one sentence okay. different ways. So, for example, I can say, for um, these people who have this problem, here's what I do to solve it. Or um, this is the problem. Here's how I solve it for these people. So you're taking the, the problem-solution market and mathematically, if you have three items, you can combine them six different ways. So it's, it's a really empowering situation, especially if you're in networking okay. or um, you meet somebody. This is not an elevator pitch. I repeat, it is not an elevator pitch. Okay. It's a way to know the problem you solve, who you solve it for, and what you do to solve it. That, those are the three key things. And if you stick okay. with those, the conversation that okay. continues is catered towards the person that you're talking with. Now, when it comes to the
1: three All right, so let me go back for a minute here.
2: Okay.
1: Okay, so I I get this just to repeat. Everybody's with us on this one. There's three sentences. One sentence is the problem. What's the problem I'm trying to solve? Second sentence is the way I solve that, the solution that's provided, and the third is for who this is for, and it needs to be selective, so not for everyone. Yes. Let me go back to the first one stating the... Problem. You know, if I'm thinking about this in terms of, let's say, this radio show, yeah, and the statement of what the problem is, the tendency is to start with the word I, mm-hmm. as in, and I provide insights for people who are trying to lead outside of their expertise.
2: Right. But but that is but that, that isn't really a
1: problem, do. and it certainly isn't a bloody problem. That is what I do, right,
2: exactly. Yeah, that's what you do, so it's not even the problem statement. As soon as you say what I do or I help people or my company does this or I'm passionate about something, those are buzzwords that will identify you're really not saying the problem. Because if you can identify the problem without telling people what you do, you can get them to admit whether or not they think it's a problem, and then you can ask them straight up, is this a problem that you have? And then you can go one step further and say, is this a problem, if you have it, that you're looking to solve soon? And if they say yes, you can be like, totally cool, I can help you out, or my radio show can help you out. And then they're excited about your solution, but they don't even know what you do. They just know that they have a problem that you're solving. So for your radio station, if I were to ask um, a random poll of a hundred of your thousands and thousands of listeners, and I said... What problem did you have before the show uh, or before listening that now you don't have? Right. And there's somewhere in there is the magic. So what, what do you think typically um, right. after listening to your show for, you know, six months or something, what problem did I have that I don't have anymore?
1: Um, let's see, I think most listeners would say, I had this problem of not knowing how to be more effective with people when I couldn't rely on my technical skills.
2: Okay. So, so maybe something was in there, right? So um, let's say somebody asks you what you do. And you're like, well, you know, it sounds funny. It's not really what I do, though. It's the problem that I solve. And they'd say, well, what is that problem? Techn- the problem is, and then finish that sentence. The problem is,
1: right? People don't know how to be effective when they're not speaking for technical expertise.
2: Okay. So let's look at exactly what you said there. Is that more towards a paper cut or is that more towards a finger being cut off? The way that you chose those words?
1: Um, it depends.
2: <laughs> okay. So, okay. So if so I say, yeah, got it. So take, So just add a little bit more of an end result. Like what happens if you can't Communicate past your technical skills. Do you lose your job? Do you not career? Adv- do you not advance in your career? Do you have uh, less meaningful relationships? Like what is like that's the blood, right? So take what you said, but add an um right. Right. a result to it. So try it again.
1: All right. So it's about helping people to have more impact. I'm helping. That's let me stop that one. The problem yep. is people don't know how to have impact, and they're worried that they're going to lose their job and not get promoted.
2: Right, so somewhere around there. So when people are not confident about connecting past their technical skills, mm-hmm. they know that they could lose their job, stop their career advancement, and never you know, and not have the relationships that they always wish they could have. And the problem right. is their inability to connect with people beyond their technical skills or something. So like I'm I'm liking this now because okay. you could take this to somebody who doesn't know about your show and you could In a conversation, as they ask you, what do you do? And you're like, well, what I do is I solve one of the most important problems uh, I think we're facing as a society today. And they're like, wow, what is that? The problem is, if you can't speak past your technical skills and connect with people, you will lose connection at your job, in your relationships, and you'll uh, potentially, you won't reach your full potential. Then you can tell that person in the conversation, like, do you see that as a problem? In a general sense, not you, in a general sense, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a a big problem. And a trick for you to ask people as you're developing this, follow that up with, on a scale of 1 to 10, how big is that problem? And if somebody says 4 or 5, then say, well, what are some of the things that would make it more of a problem? And you can start to refine it. But when you're asking people, when you tell them the problem, and you ask them, is this a scale of 1 to 10, and they say like 8, 9, 10, that's the magic spot. And then you say, well, is this a problem that you, know, that you have? Um, how are you from communicating? And they're like, well, um, yeah, it's kind of a problem. Is it something that you're looking to, for solutions? Well, yeah, I'm reading books. I'm doing this. Well, I could totally help you out. Hmm. Well, how could you help? Well, what would that be? Now you jump into your solution. So what would your solution be to this person who identifies as having that problem?
1: So, uh, listen to the radio show.
2: So you have a radio show that blank mm-hmm. what is it that it does right it solves the problem so i have a oh, radio, radio show, show that provides advice or tips yeah to to do what to solve the problem you still tie in the problem i have a radio show that helps um with okay. tangible tips from experts on how to better create impact or connect like the exact solution to the problem and in their brain they're okay. going oh interesting well whoa, that sounds like it could solve my problem. And then you smack them in the face with, but it's not for everyone, okay? I'm going to tell you this right now. Not for everyone, everyone. right. And they're like, wait, what do you you, you mean it's not? Does it cost money? And you're like, no, no. The reason it's not for everyone is because not everyone is ready to take dynamic change in their life. I know people that I can give them the best advice in the world, but they don't take it because they're not ready. So my target customer or listener is the person who is between this ages, within this thing, and this stage of their life, whatever, whatever. And as you describe that, is the person you're talking to associates themselves with those qualities. You're going to be like, oh, no, 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 it's me. That That is me. That sounds exactly like me. Yeah. And that's where, like, you have okay. this crazy connection. So you're, you're describing... Okay.
1: All right. So I get this one. Okay. I get this one in terms of the three sentences. So I describe the problem, but i got to make the problem now, not what I do, I, I can't start with the I, I have to say the problem I'm solving, and without, I need to would, make it bloody, I need do, to yeah. make sure everybody understands what's yeah, what's, re- what's this really problem about, and then you need to say, well, how do you solve that problem, not what I do again, but what's the solution, and then I say it's not for everyone, and each way along the way, we're looking for a bit of a dialogue where people can say, wait, how do you do that? wait, what do you mean this isn't for everyone? Um, Or I can direct it by saying, so is this a problem you have? And we're creating a bit of dialogue, but it's the three core sentences that are the matter of this issue. Now, we're going to take a break in just a minute. Before we get there, Ryan, we've got the three sentences. I see how we could break that down to one sentence by combining, I I do this for these people in this way. What is the point of the three words?
0: The point of the
2: three words uh, is actually to help people understand what you do in terms of things that they already know. And if I were, for example, to say golden arches, what comes to mind?
1: Hmm?
2: Most people think McDonald's. McDonald's. right? And in that, like, in half a second, just what just happened right there in your brain, you fired off all kinds of crazy connections, whether it was hmm. the last time you went there, whether you like them or not, whether you like extra pickles. You see it, you think of a big clown in red shoes, like, there's no way I could have put all those thoughts into your head you already had that that's a mental mind map now um, on the other side yep. of the fence if I were to just to describe it to you it wouldn't resonate with you but take the, take the example of the of the this guy from Hollywood that I talked about right you still you know that there's this issue with him and how he's solving problems for people to create fundable f- sustainable funding and what he does is you know his solution is a crowdfunding kind of platform it's not for everyone because it's for those people who are uh, are independent filmmakers, without sustainable um, growth. And you can say that in one sentence, but here's his three words. Mm-hmm. He is the Robin Hood of Hollywood. <laughs> so right there, within those three okay. seconds, you associated him with Robin Hood. What does Robin Hood do? He steals from the rich and gives to the poor. And in Hollywood, there's Mm -hmm. obviously people that are rich, and there's people that have this need for an underground movement of somebody who's going to find out how to get them money so that they can live in the forest, right? So the three words, like for me, think of me as the craftsman of communication. You know what a craftsman does. They'd like spend hours Mm -hmm. whittling wood and sanding little tiny spots and then blowing it out and redoing it. And so there's this craftsmanship to it for communication. So the three words helps to put two things together that, when combined, you now in your brain have to connect dots, and if you describe yourself okay. in terms of other way in in other terms of that people know, um, you can get to understanding a lot quicker. So, for example, if I'm describing okay. some social media strategy, All right, right? Yes we got to take a break?
1: Okay. I'm I'm going to interrupt you because we're going to need to take a break here. Okay. So with me today is, is Ryan Foland. Ryan's company is Influence Tree, and his website is www.ryanfolland.com. We've been talking about the 313 method, three sentences, the problem you solve with a bit of blood, the um, solution you provide, and the market that it's for. So those are your three sentences. Cut that down to one sentence, which combines those into a simple statement, and then down three words, which is actually two words with a connector in it. Things like the Robin Hood of Hollywood. Anyway, rate, we'll be right back. And when we come back, I want to talk about how you use this to pitch an idea, as well as how you use it for upward communication. And we'll be back. <music>
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our
3: shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforaminc.com are sure to find some helpful links videos and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization leadership forum inc helping organizations get it and keep it
2: do you realize that the root of your challenges lie within you it's time to find out more about coaching and how it can help both you and your business coaching
3: for real with ronald graves will help you gain a deeper level of self-awareness to
2: find the answers inside yourself Our guests are business professionals just like you who agree to a coaching session on our radio program. Tune into Coaching for Real, live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America
3: Business. together in conversations that make a difference right here on the voice america business channel every friday morning at 10 a.m pacific standard time have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy
2: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
3: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone,
1: With me today is Ryan Folan, and we've been talking about the three one three method, which is his invention. Three sentences, which are state the problem, state the ways in which you solve the problem, or the problem is solved, make sure you have some pain in it, and then which market is it for, and it's not for everyone. That's the three sentences. Transform that down to one sentence as I do this for these people in this way. And you have your one sentence, and then the last thing is three words. Two words that are connected together. So think of an analogy, such as the Robin Hood of Hollywood. All right. So, Ryan, I want to talk for a minute about, you know, how you use this as as a pitch. So we've been using this example about the filmmakers. But suppose I'm talking to my boss about an idea I I have, and we're in a meeting, and I've got got a bunch of colleagues sitting around the table. How do I use this method in that moment?
2: Yeah, so you would use the 313 in what I call a 313 sandwich, okay? So the core of the 313 is this okay. really an understanding that the three things you're using in your arsenal is that you're focusing on a clear problem with a solution and a market. Now, when you use this in a pitching okay. format, something that is a formal pitch or it's not as much of a conversation, but it's more of a presentation, you use the 313 sandwich. Mm-hmm. And I've, uh, I've taught this to thousands of entrepreneurs, and it's highly successful not only as an entrepreneur pitching an idea, but I've done this for human resources uh, for them to pitch to their boss or you know, speaking upward in an organization. Okay. The fact of the matter is okay. storytelling is the most powerful communication tool that you have, and it taps into these emotions, these mental mind maps um, throughout history, like for hundreds of thousands of years, there's always been someone in each cultural element that is a storyteller. And it is uh, it okay. is one of the most uh, long-running professions, is telling good stories. I just want to hit that in the head because the best way to get people okay. to understand is telling stories. So the top piece of the bread in the 313 sandwich is a story. And it's an origination story. It's how did you come up okay. with the fact that there was this problem. So if you're in a board meeting and you're just, say, conversating to two or three people before the meeting starts, you can say, hey, guys, you wouldn't believe it, but this weekend I was doing this, and then this happened, and it was crazy, and all of a sudden I realized not only does that happen there, but I'm realizing that it happens in the office too. Like, it's a big problem. So your story uncovers the fact that there's a problem. Then you describe the problem and you say, look, it's a serious problem. Here's what, you know, here's the problem. But I think I've come up with a solution or a new strategy or a way to improve it. And here's my solution. And here's how it works. But wait a minute. I don't want you to think that this is for all the employees. This is just for these people that have this problem. And then you close the whole thing with a story that paints a picture of the world with your solution. So, um, to this sort of general example, and so if we're able to implement this, then uh, imagine a situation where this problem won't be happening anymore, and this w- is what the end result will look like. What's really cool about this 313 sandwich okay. is it can be a 30 second pitch. You can tell a quick story identify the problem, talk about what, real briefly, your solution would be, verify who it's for, and then tell a quick story on how things would be so amazing if that was the case. You can expand it to two minutes, to six minutes, to ten minutes. This structure could guide an entire 45-minute presentation. It's expandable or retractable. The other thing that's amazing about this concept is there's no need to memorize some crazy long pitch. You don't have to memorize stories because they're real stories. And it leads you into the fact that this is the problem, and you talk about the problem, and here's how you solve it. That's a logical transition. And then make sure everybody knows that it's not for anyone or everyone. And then you finish with a story that wraps it all in. So this could be getting someone um, at a board meeting to buy in in conversation beforehand. It could be formulated as a formal presentation. um, And it's a really powerful method to diffuse people to get them to understand and get invested due to the fact that there's a problem. It's easy for them to tell if your solution solves that problem. You can clarify it's not for everyone, which is one of their questions that they would normally ask. And then you paint the picture of what the world would be like afterwards. And the final thing I have to say about it is that people remember the first things you say and the last things that you say. If you have a big speech you give, there's a good chance they're going to remember the beginning and the end. And the 313 sandwich is a story in the beginning and a story at the end. So you have a high chance that people will remember your story. And at the end of the day, the story is what they can then share with other people to communicate your idea further than trying to describe a technical um, aspect of it or something that's more of a mechanical, here's how it works kind of thing.
1: Right, right. Well, I know from experience both mine and hundreds of thousands of other people, is that people remember stories. In fact, sometimes I think we're hardwired to remember stories, not not the conceptual idea or the facts that we tell. So starting with a story will make it memorable, and certainly ending with a story will make it memorable. And so long as those stories carry your message, you should be in good shape. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So Ryan, can you give me an example? Um, Anyone from your experience...
2: Now, an example in an entrepreneur pitching format or an uh, an example of somebody who's trying to create buy-in in um, in the workplace? So what type of an example? Because there are a few different types.
1: Um, Okay, so give me someone who's trying to create buy-in in in the workplace.
2: Okay, so um, I recently gave a presentation to um, all of the... Uh, HR leaders from like 17 different uh, divisions and campuses here at UCI and it was part of a, an educational program that the university was investing in to get them um, to be better HR managers and I taught them the 313 and the 313 sandwich and the, the, the value for them in that I've, I've received emails from people that I've had in that workshop and I tell them you'll use this and let me know how it works and uh, a story came back that um, it wasn't necessarily um, – w- what happened with it was the value of saving time of not spending weeks about preparing a presentation uh, before being able to test it out. So what happens typically is there's a – let's say there's a, uh, an employee retention ratio, right, where you have um, certain employees that you're hiring and then people are leaving. And that's a very strong issue for HR to, uh, to deal with. But okay. some people would spend weeks putting together presentations and putting together um, formal um, statistics and data to be able to then go to a manager and propose a solution, whether it's an outside firm or something like that. But using this 313 as an example, they were able to help hone in the feedback from their higher-ups in an informal way by using the 313 sandwich having an example of a story of a specific employee that had left and why that was a problem and identifying that it was a problem that is uh, becoming more and more prevalent and in her ability to then communicate what the solution would be, taking it away with the market by only saying, let's test it within our organization in a small test pilot group so that when someone comes in, they are not, um, you know, they're, they're less likely to bounce out quickly. And the solution that she had was uh, a type of buddy program for new employees that had early mentorship within that first 30 days. And she was able to get um, an okay, a thumbs-up buy-in on it without putting together a whole two-week uh, research project and then a full formal 45-minute presentation in front of a whole panel because she was able to communicate it in a way that related to real people, that identified a real problem, and her solution, at least in the way it was communicated, uh, was enough to say thumbs up, not for the entire uh, organization, but because it was a select market group of individuals within a subset of these employees, to then test it out to see if it would work. So there's a, a real example of someone who's using the concept of a 313 sandwich, to do a soft pitch to a higher-up to get the thumbs-up to give a green light on a a trial uh, buddy program within a small unit to then see if it could work and be expanded outward.
1: Okay. I can see why... This would work very powerfully in that you start with a story about, in this particular case, you have an employee leaving, but it could be any number of any stories. It could be a story about a client leaving. It could be a story about a market solution we haven't achieved. It could be any, any scenarios. And the story drives people in. And then if you're succinct, particularly in the problem and the solution and the test market or the small market, the target market, I can see why you'd get buy-in from people pretty quickly. It makes a lot of sense to me. Now, Ryan, do you think it works as well when it's my team and I'm pitching change?
2: Absolutely. You see, a lot of times when people try to communicate ways to change, they focus on data, they focus on statistics, they focus on things that your cerebral cortex has to process. But from an evolution of communication in our brains we originally started off with the mammalian brain. Some people call it the croc brain or the lizard brain. And it's the core around the stem that works on an unconscious level that tries to make sure you don't die. <laughs> that's that's the prime function. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. whether you know it or not, you are sizing up people, you're sizing up situations, you're looking for objects that are moving quickly or are out of the ordinary, and when you have a normal conversation, the same thing happens on an unconscious level. So if you and your own team, you say, okay guys, we're going to have a meeting. Now listen, the ratings have been down and we need to fix this. You need to do this, this, and this. And here's what I'm saying. And we need to increase this percentage by 11% and this over here by two. All of them in that moment aren't listening to you because their crock brain is, is more on a defensive to figure out if they should run for the door or not. So you always have to get past the, the lizard brain, and by starting with a story, that is a very easy and quick way to diffuse and get past the croc brain, which then allows the more advanced parts of your brain to process information in a non-threatening way.
1: Okay. So I can see that starting with a story gets people's defenses down because they buy into the story. They're hooked into the story. They're thinking about the story story, they're relating to the story, and especially if you said in some of your earlier comments, I can ask a question that says, do you recognize this in your own lives, or have you seen this, or have you felt this, that you already have halfway there with you because they're not arguing with you about facts and data.
2: Yeah, and I call that process permission-based pitching. What is another huge value of this process, the 313 and the 313 sandwich, is that the only way you move forward is through little small permissions that have been given by the person who's listening. I like to say that the more you talk, the less people will actually listen. And the less you talk, the more people will ask questions. And questions is what drives the conversation, and conversation is what creates connection, and that connection is what closes people or sells them onto your idea. So in even the 313 sandwich process, you could stop and check in and say, do you also agree that this is a problem? Yes or no? And if your manager is like, nope, nope, I don't see it as a problem, we're going to lose people regardless, then you're like, okay, then I'm done. You don't waste your presentation, you don't waste your breath, or you only focus on helping them to see if it's a problem or not. Because there are people that will give presentations that they spend weeks putting together or entrepreneurs that are giving pitches that could revolutionize the trajectory of their idea. But if they can't communicate that it's an, it's an actual problem that we're solving, then they're wasting their time or they're talking to the wrong person. A lot of times you, what you have to say is not of interest to other people. <laughs> and as soon as you can identify yeah. that, the earlier, the better, because then right. you take it away. And honestly, if you sort of like you're in the middle of this conversation, you're like this is amazing. It's solving this problem. They're like, I don't really see that as a problem. I don't get it. You're like, Maybe you have a dialogue and you're like, okay, I totally respect that. Like, you don't have the problem. So what do you do? And now you flip it. You're done. Stop. A lot of times they're going to come circling back and be like, well, I don't know. Like, what, 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 what was it that you did? Um, well, I mean, don't worry about it because it's not, I'm not able to solve your problem. But do you have anyone you know that has that problem? And at that point, they might or might not. And if they do you can now communicate to them on behalf of their friends. And what happens a lot of times is that people aren't aware of their audience. And so if I identify that you don't have the problem and I keep trying to pitch you and sell you like you have the problem, that person will never refer you to a friend. That person will never share your information online because they know that you're not listening. But if you identify and there's a stopgap, Oh, you don't have that problem? Pfft, high five, cool. You know anybody who has that problem? Oh, yeah, my sister. Cool. Well, let her know I can help her out. Oh, well, tell me more then about what you do. So you actually, by identifying early and stopping your quote-unquote pitch and then proceeding with more of an information session for people, if they want to learn about it for someone else, it's, it's, a, it's a very efficient way to communicate.
1: Brian, it makes a ton of sense to me, and I see now why this can be so effective. So let me just see if I can sum it all up in a very simple, straightforward way. Sure. The When I'm talking, in, what I want to be doing is thinking about the sandwich. So I want to start, and I could do this as a pitch in general, but I want to start with a story about something, something that happened, something that I observed, a conversation I had with someone, I tell the story, I can do it in short term. And that story sets up a particular problem. And I can say, that made me think about this problem. And I stop to now ask a question. Do you have that problem? Have you seen that problem before? Say no. I might ask, well, do you know anybody who has that problem? Do you think others have that problem? And hopefully we get some yeses in there somewhere. Then you go to the solution. Well, you know, here's a solution or a strategy or a way forward or an option it doesn't have to be the ultimate fix everything and then you have to move to this is not for everyone so this is for this group of people or this is for this test market or or this is for just the folks that are entering um in our division i make it small and contained so it feels like a smaller risk and then i'm going to tell a story about how great it would solve the problem
2: yep you're going, to tell, you're going to paint a picture of the world with that problem being solved. And it's, it's super powerful because there's yeah. gaps paint in a there. Picture. Yeah, there's gaps for you to stop conversation and flip it right. around. But that's the core of it, right? And then in, in communicating, right. there's this very, right. very powerful practice when you're speaking to tell people what you're going to tell them, and then tell them, and then tell them what you told them, okay? So that's yeah. also inherent within this because... If you tell it to them in three sentences, and then they're sort of starting to get it, and then you sum it all up in one sentence, then it reaffirms, and then you tap into what they already know, and you combine this kind of funky analogy that has some connections, the Robin Hood of Hollywood, and then they sort of, and it all kind of gets together. The best thing that can happen with this process is that somebody will actually like, stop you and go, oh my gosh, I get it. I totally get it. I, I, I get it. Right. And now you're done talking, and now you can talk okay. about whether it's relevant for them and everything else. Okay.
1: All right, Ryan. Unfortunately, we are out of time. So with me today is Ryan Folden. His influence tree, and you can find him on the web at Ryan R Y A N F O L A N D dot It's the three one three method: three sentences. The problem with a good bit of pain, the solution, and then the market that it's for. And we've just been talking about how to pitch an idea where you do a sandwich, a story in the beginning and a story at the end. Ryan, thank you very much. It was a great idea.
2: You're welcome. That was fun.
1: All right. Great. Join us next week for more insights.
0: Thank you for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.